0: Hello and welcome again. A few weeks ago, I talked about property and whether or not that, you know, in light of all the, the changes to the tax laws and, you know, stamp duty going up, abandoning uh, reliefs like uh, the wear and tear allowance, and I, I, I asked the question whether or not property was still a good investment. Now, the, the latest one was the the possible moves to get rid of the Section 21 notice, which enables landlords to get their properties back without having to find fault, a bit like a no-fault divorce, if you like. Uh, so I asked that question. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. It's called, Is Property Still a Good Investment? And then uh, I've looked at some news in the, the papers over the weekend, and it seems that a lot of buy to let landlords are leaving the market. Now, I think we've known this for a while, and you know anecdotal evidence suggests that a lot of landlords since... 2016 2017 when these measures were announced to phase out tax relief that a lot a lot of people started reducing the size of their portfolios and getting out of the market i did the same thing i up to that point i i was in the sort of borrow 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 and the more i borrowed you know the more i could buy and the more i could make but then it did sort of change my mindset a little bit when when these measures were announced because the government clearly are looking to discourage uh, landlords like myself, i.e. the landlord is not not really the corporate landlord. And in fact, I met a, a minister at at a function who was then the housing minister. He's now a senior minister. I don't want to mention his name, but he's still in the government, senior minister. And I asked him, I said, why are you doing this to your own you know, voters, really? you know, He's a conservative housing minister and... I I would suggest that a lot of landlords have that conservative mentality. A lot of people who, uh, you know, a lot of their voters would be the type of people who'd want to save for their retirement through buy to let or whatever. And I said, you're really sort of kicking these people in the teeth. And he said, well, we don't want mum and pop landlords and amateur landlords running the the private housing sector. We want the corporates. Yes, the corporates. I said, what do you mean the corporates? You know, where are the corporates? So In other words, he he was saying that he was going to reduce or phase out tax relief for the the smaller mom and pop landlords as he called them uh because they would have mortgages in their own name but still allow tax relief on limited companies that you know obviously if you, if you have your properties in a limited company you would tend to be on on average a larger landlord uh and and that's what they've done now obviously some people would have mortgages in limited companies but they're, they're few and far between because they're not they were not as available as uh, mortgages to, to just an individual and they're still not as available to, to to people who want to put a property inside a limited company in fact we was looking at this last year and found that the rates were quite high there was sort of three four percent as opposed to sort of two and three percent so the the tax relief that you got almost outweighed the the ex- additional cost of of borrowing and you know so it's made it very difficult, and th- this uh, minister w- was quite dismissive. I-, I thought he was quite rude, and I-, I had a bit of a go at him. Uh, but but what can you do? That some of these guys live in a in a different world, and you know they've got their fixed ideas, and and that's it. I also suggested him suggested to him at the time that we we should have more interest only mortgages, and you know for for people who just want to to borrow money, not have to pay repayments back. And I suggested a lifetime mortgage, particularly for young people trying to get onto the the, the housing ladder, because that would enable them to get into a house cheaply without having to make high repayments that they would on a repayment mortgage and then stretch it out for for 30, 40, 50 years. What's the difference? You know, if it's 10 years, 20, 25 years, the lender has still got that uh, property as security and they're still getting money for it every month on, on interest. So so why not do that? In Japan, they have lifelong mortgages. In Japan, you can hand the mortgage on to your children. They don't do that here. And he, he came out with some rubbish about, um oh, that would cause uh, negative equity. I mean, I don't know where these what planet some of these people are born on, actually. But uh, anyway, that that was my suggestion. And and funny enough, I'll come back to that because uh, the interest-only mortgages may be making a comeback. There's two companies, Santander and NatWest, that have introduced an interest-only mortgage. And again, now they've been around for buy to let mortgages and I, I've always done interest only, which means you don't pay back any capital, you just pay interest. But now that then they they were withdrawn after the last financial crash for residential mortgages. And now there's a few coming back in. And I think these are particularly helpful also for older borrowers, perhaps people have, who want to move on or, or downsize in their 50s and 60s and can't get a mortgage anymore because they say, well, no, you've got to pay your mortgage off by 65. So You can't underestimate how these mortgage restrictions brought on by the government, then the Bank of England, through the Bank of England, have, uh, you know, helped to dampen the market. Because, you know, for instance, the last three deals I've tried to go for have all been, if you like, spoiled. I've had to pull out of them because of lending problems. You know, it's a long story. I won't go into everything about it, but the, the lenders have become more difficult They're looking at more things. They're they're restricting buy to let. They're restricting people who just want to get on the ladder. And I said to this minister, "This is nonsense because you know if it costs something like you know a thousand to fifteen hundred pound a month to rent a property, which if they bought on an interest only mortgage, they'd probably be paying five or six hundred a month, maybe even less. You know why are you penalising people? Let them let them have the mortgages. Stop squeezing them and saying you know you've got to have this and that. You know." People can't get on the on the ladder if they can only borrow three times income and the average income is £75,000. How much can a person borrow? Uh, sorry, the average income is £25,000 and three times that is £75,000. Well, that mortgage is not going to get them anywhere, is it? Even if they could borrow four times, that's not going to get them anywhere. And this is because they've got to make interest payments and a capital repayment. So that was my little rant to the, the, the housing minister has it changed anything? Not a bit, no. There's still one way thinking there in, in that market and uh, that, that's that's the way it's it's going to stay for the time being anyway. Um, now, I, I, I was talking about buy-to-let landlords and another government, brilliant initiative. They, they brought in all these restrictions and surprise, surprise, landlords are pulling out of the market. What will that mean for tenants? It will mean higher rents. So as property prices are falling, uh, Hamptons have reported that Rents are still rising. What does that tell you, Mr. Government Minister? Out there, come on, let's look at this because, uh, you know, we've known this anecdotally that landlords are pulling out of the market, but now we can see that they are, and their average profit is around 80,000 pounds in 2018. However, this is 4,000 less than their average profit that they were making, uh, in 2017. So prices have have fallen obviously in in that time. and uh, it says thousands have been retreating from the market since the three percent stamp duty, uh, surcharge on rental homes was introduced in April two thousand and sixteen. Um, then they brought in, as I said, various measures, and they mentioned it the amateur landlords. I find that 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 term that the minister used and the term that the newspapers use amateur landlords a bit insulting, really. it's a bit uh, condescending. Because any landlord that, you know, pays their taxes, has has properties, are, are trying to do the right thing, is, is a professional landlord. Okay, they, they haven't got hundreds of properties, but but I, I think it's a bit condescending to call them an amateur landlord. Okay, if they're an accidental landlord that has just inherited a property and had to rent it out, you know, you, you could say that, that they, they may be an amateur landlord. But even a landlord who's got two or three properties, they're still a professional landlord. They're not an amateur landlord. Um, so... And it says here that banks are advancing 4,800 loans a month to landlords, and this probably includes remortgages as well, compared with 16,000 a month in 2017 when when buy-to-let was at its peak. And the number of landlords has fallen by 120,000 in three years. This is research from the Residential Landlords Association, who found that a quarter of landlords were planning to sell at least one property over the next year. So so there you go um i i th- i think it's quite sad that landlords have been kicked in the teeth and and are been taxed heavily and you know the public perception of landlords is almost up there with um politicians <laughs> if you like um ironically but i i think most landlords do a good job they try their best and uh, it's usually the landlord that ends up with, with the short end of the stick you know that ends up with the raw deal when they get into a dispute with a tenant for, for sometimes no fault of their own. Uh, landlords who sold in London and the southeast were, were, were likely to make the most profit. Surprise, surprise. However, landlords who sold in the northeast, South Tyneside, Sunderland and Darlington and Middlesbrough uh, were, were more likely to lose money. Uh, because, you know, I've seen a lot of schemes up there, you know, go and, go and buy these properties for 30, 40, 50,000 and make, you know, rental income uh, rental yields of you know twelve fifteen percent but you know I've always been a bit skeptical about them because some of these these places the prices have not moved very much and you know if you have to get out quickly sometimes you might not be able to sell those properties very quickly and you could lose and, and that's what's happened to some of the, the landlords here. Uh, the areas where landlords are making the most profit were in London averaging you know 1.1 million in Kensington and Chelsea. Well there's a surprise. Okay so that, that's that's a little bit about what's going on in the property market i i would say that um you, you could look at this two ways you could say well i'm getting out because it's all going south and um you know it, it's all doom and gloom but for those who stay in the market that there is this little thing that rents are still rising by i think two percent a year so rents are still going up and agents tell me there's still a strong demand for rental properties and in fact there's still a a strong demand for selling properties for people who want to buy properties uh first-time buyer purchases are up and you know so so it's not all doom and gloom just because prices have fallen it doesn't mean that you know people are not still moving and and buying and selling and this is this is a key factor a lot of agents will tell me yeah we're we're selling once the owners of sensibly price their properties you know what it's like an agent comes around and says well i can get you know 500 thousand for that and you think well no I, I saw one down the road sold for 550 or 600 i want 600 and the agent says well fine we'll put it on for 600 uh knowing that you probably can't sell you won't sell at that rate and then you know after a month or so you you go back to them and say well, let, let's reduce it so agents are telling me that you know things are moving and solicitors are telling me that things are moving as well so it's not all doom and gloom, and obviously for those landlords that stay with it that there will be a, an increased demand for for properties uh and rents are going up, so you know perhaps when others have fled the market that there'll be a better market for those who are left in 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 the in the buy to let market so you've got to take your choice on that uh, My advice is to make sure that you are um not overstretched with borrowing because you know, people are now going to be hit in the next year with the loss of tax relief. So, where they were getting uh, x amount of net income and paying so much tax, you know, from now on they're going to be paying more tax and finding that you know their profit and what's left in their pocket is has been whittled away by these stealth taxes. So you've got to make sure that you're you're covered and you're not overstretched, and and also that you're not overstretched with borrowing because in the in the last financial crisis lenders. Went back to people and said, "Well, you know, your portfolio suggests that you are, you know, y- your borrowing is up to seventy-five percent loan to value, but since prices have fallen, you're now at ninety percent loan to value. Therefore, we want our money back." And this happened to a lot of landlords here and in America. And you know, it's, a lender—you've got to remember—a lender can call in a loan at any time, even a mortgage. They, they've got the right to call that in, and so we want our money back. So, yeah, you know, but it, it's obviously. Almost impossible for someone to to give that money back within a month or two months, isn't it? You'd have to sell the property, and during a downturn, what happens? Of course, you can't sell that property, can you? So you've got you've got to be sure that you are uh, able to cover yourself in in the event of a downturn. So that's that's why I I sold up a few places and, and reduced my borrowing and, and got myself into more cash. Um, and you, you might want to consider doing the same thing. Other matters that have arisen recently, you may have seen that Metro Bank has had problems, um, and you know, people have in, in one branch there was a sort of run on the bank. You know, this means that people all go in and ask for their money back. And ultimately, if everyone goes into the bank and asks for their money back, that bank would go bankrupt because they haven't got that money. That they haven't got all the money that they've taken in on deposits. They've lent that out several times over to, to borrowers, and, and they're making money on that. So. Uh, as always, if, if everybody goes in and there's what's called a run on the bank, then, you know, that that bank would, would fold. So this, this has not happened entirely to, to Metro Bank, um, but there was some media, social media problem the other day and several customers went in to withdraw the money. But you've got to remember that there is an £85,000 per person compensation scheme for personal customers only on accounts. Uh, this doesn't cover business accounts. And in fact, when Metrobank announced uh, an accounting error, I think back in January, uh, business customers went on to withdraw 500 million from deposits uh, since this uh, 900 million pound accounting error was announced by Metrobank. But, you know, if you've got a few thousand in the bank, then, you know, I, I'd say... Your your money is safe. If if you don't feel safe, then put it somewhere else. But you are covered by this this compensation scheme. That was another thing that came up in, in the papers over the weekend. And uh, I've got a little tip here that was sent in by somebody. I, I said, you know, if you want to send in tips, then by all means do so. And this is actually from my nephew, Raymond, who sent in a tip. And he says uh, that a few weeks ago, I mentioned about switching energy suppliers of one of my earlier podcasts that it's a good idea to you know to keep an eye on things and switch to to a cheaper tariff but he said that when he switched uh, he was in credit at the time because he was paying monthly and if you're paying monthly for your your power your gas and electricity you're you're paying a flat rate per month over the whole year now your actual usage will not be the same as what you're paying so if you if you're paying 50 pounds a month In the winter months, your actual usage might run to 70 or 80 pounds a month. But in the summer, it would go down to maybe 25 or 30 pounds a month. I'm just giving average figures here. Um, But over the year, they they all um, average out to to what you're you're paying and what they estimate that you will spend over the year. Now, when he moved suppliers, he was in credit because at certain times of the year, if you've been paying that 50 pounds a month during the summer months, when when your usage is low and you switch in say September October you would be in credit at that time. In the winter you might be in debit if you, if you look at it the other way around. And he was in credit at that time by a few hundred pounds, and they never gave him the money back, and and he had to to, to call them up and ask for this money back. It's, it's incredible. So just just watch that. I, I must say that I would have expected the money to just be refunded, um. And I have had refunds from from power companies, but just look out for that. And in fact, um. The regulators brought in a, a little fine for them if they don't do that. They can be fined, um, but just watch out for that. If you do switch any of these any of these providers, watch out that you're not in credit and you are getting your money back in. Ma- money back. So thanks, Raymond, for that that tip. Raymond down in Bromley, there. Um, great, great tip. And keep them coming in. Raymond's a very sensible guy with his money. Uh, he's an accountant by profession, so I'm sure he he knows what's coming in and what's going out in in his home uh, because he's a he's a very sensible guy. So, so those are some of the things. Now, if you want one more tip for for making money, I, I've got one here for you. Because often we talk about saving money, don't we? We talk about how to save money, etc. And I've got one here where you can actually make money. Now, a lot of people um, want to invest in the stock market because, other than property, the stock market is probably one of the biggest areas for investment. It's certainly one one area that's made the most money for people over the last fifty to one hundred years other than than property but it's a very different animal from property uh there are disadvantages and advantages buying shares on the stock market means that you're buying shares in a company and that company value can go up or down and uh, over the each year they should pay you dividends as well which is your share of the profits from that company now had you invested in a company like Microsoft in the early days you 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 know 10,000 would probably yield you millions by now um companies like Google, Amazon have done enormously well, but not all companies do well. So you've got to know what what you're doing. Um, had you invested in, say, Carillion, for instance, you'd have lost all your money because Carillion went bust. And yet everywhere you looked around London, you could see Carillion signs and they were building hospitals and they were they were on rail projects. And, you know, they're, they're a multi-billion pound company that, that all went wrong. So you've got to know what you're doing. Now, there's two ways you're doing it. You could take a course, couldn't you? You could say, right, I'll, I'll take a course. I'll go on a stock market investment course. But not, not everybody wants to do that, right? Not, really, not everyone wants to get into it in that much depth. Um, what, what I wouldn't suggest is that you just, you know, pick a stock and then just, you know, place a bet on it like you would on a horse on the Grand National. Because that's, that's not the way to invest. So you have got to know what you're doing. Um, another way you could hire a stockbroker. And the stockbroker was like, yeah, that's right, I can get you this investment, I, I can manage your portfolio. But frankly, they're not going to be interested in, in you unless you've got hundreds of thousands of pounds. Some firms would not be interested in, in you unless you've got millions, like you're a, a very wealthy person or a lottery winner or, or some something of that, that nature. So if people have got a few thousand pounds and don't know what to do with it, here is one way you can get into stock market investments without going on a course or without being, you know, a multi-billionaire. And that is you can start an investment club or join an investment club. An investment club is basically a group of people, a bit like a mastermind really, who get together on a regular basis. It might be be once a week, once a month, and they discuss share investments. And you might have, say, five or six on the radar and one of you will be uh, tasked to go away and investigate and research that, that particular share. And, you know, the next... Meeting, You would discuss whether or not to invest in that share and I think it's an excellent way of getting into it and you've got the minds of other people you've got their expertise and their their, their insight and generally you would pay a monthly fee into that that investment club and then that money would be invested in in the shares. So it's fairly low risk. Um, You'd obviously have agreements and proper uh, terms and conditions and agreements for the for the investment club. And you, you can find that from various sort of investment club associations. And you, you can usually download these things for free. Uh, banks or some of the banks will offer the offer an agreement to you. Um, investment companies will, will perhaps give you that agreement as well. But there's there's probably one in your area. So you don't actually need to start your own one. And if they'll have you as a member, I, I think it's a great way. It's a great way of social way of getting together. Now, some of these clubs have done very well. Uh, I was reading about one club that has beaten the market substantially over the last 10 years. And it's also beaten most of these fund managers who you know have millions and billions of pounds in, in these funds and charge quite high fees and yet cannot beat the average market index. When I say the average mar- market index, that means you've got the FT100 index or the NASDAQ or the Dow Jones. Most fund managers do not beat the average price rise that these indexes go up by. Uh, which is surprising, really, because you think that with all their expertise, they should be exceeding what the market does on average, right? But there are a number of reasons why they don't. Um, Partly is because some of them are not competent, partly because some of them are just dealing with such huge volumes of of funds coming in that, that these funds have to be invested. So if you wanted to get into this, join an investment club, the other thing you can do is you can put your money into an index tracking fund, Uh, Which is is another way of just saying, well, I'll put it there and forget about it. But don't forget, the market has been rising. So if you look at a graph, it's been rising since the last financial crash, 2008, 2009. So if you'd put your money in an index fund in 2009, you'd have made money because the the market has gradually been going up, apart from a few dips here and there. So everyone is uh, not everyone is is expecting to keep on rising as it as it has been. And it, it could well be due for a correction. So just, just watch that if you're thinking about joining an index fund or putting a lot of cash into an index fund because index funds follow the index. So if the index has gone down, that, that your, your investment value will go down as well. So that's my tip there. Join an, an investment club, have fun, and hopefully make some money as well. So thanks for listening. This has been Charles Kelly. Bring your money tips. So we save, earn, invest, accumulate, and enjoy